Hey guys, welcome to Heal, Survive, and Thrive. This week we have Jennifer Kaufman here. She is an inspirational speaker, a best-selling author, a terrorist attack survivor. On April 15th, 2013, the Boston Marathon witnessed a horrific event where five people died and 264 people were seriously injured from the bombings. And Jennifer was one of those people. In an instant, her whole world was shattered. Surviving a terrorist attack led her to ask the question, what good could possibly come of this? On her four-year healing journey, she discovered she had to stare at herself in the mirror and forgive her own inner terrorist. When she was asked to present as witness to prosecute her attacker in court, she experienced an overwhelming sense of peace when she stared her attacker in the eyes and forgave him. Knowing she had come full circle, Jennifer fearlessly ran the 2017 Boston Marathon. This time she finished. The terrorist attack became the greatest gift of her life. Today, Jennifer is the producer of two Emmy Award winning films, an award winning documentary, A New Leash on Life, and an Emmy nominated Broadway show, Dream Big. I'm so incredibly excited to have her here. She has won the Rising Stars 40 Under 40 as an emerging leader in her community and co-authored a book with Jack Canfield called Mastering the Art of Success. So join me in welcoming her, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thanks, Stephanie, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So let's get into this because you have a really traumatic and amazing story. So if you can just give the viewers just like a little bit of your backstory, and then I want to get into, I have so many questions to talk to you about in regards to kind of what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've learned and what you would say now at this point in your life are like the key fundamental things that have really changed your life. Yeah. Um, well, I was start out. I started out in the corporate world. Um, I worked for a, an investment firm in Boston, Scudder Investments, uh, that was later acquired by Deutsche Bank. Um, so I spent the first ten years of my career um, working in uh, investment management. I then went on to um, start my own business coaching and consulting business, which I was doing right up into when the bombings happened in 2013. Uh, 2013. So I'm a longtime Bostonian, born and raised. I had never been to the marathon. I uh, never had a desire, but a dear friend of mine's son was running for the first time and asked if I would join her. I said yes. So it was my first time um, at the marathon. And I was 15 feet from the first of two explosions that occurred that day. And um, up until that point, life was actually really good for me. I had come off my best year in business in 2012 with all of my clients having record-breaking years. I had just signed a publishing deal to write my very first business book. And then um, basically what happened that day is life as I knew it was over. When the bombs happened, I was completely shattered, um, emotionally, physically, mentally. And I had no idea that that would take me on a path of learning how to heal naturally, something I had no prior knowledge of doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would teach me things along the way that I could never even imagine. And, mm -hmm. um, and I now view that very horrific experience as the greatest gift of my life. I want to be really clear. Mm -hmm. I would never want anyone to go through that experience. And mm -hmm. I hope to God, you know, um, I can inspire people to listen to the, the signs, listen and watch the signs in their own lives 
And when we're off course, life has a way of putting us back on course through trauma is what I've mm-hmm. come to understand. Mm-hmm. I a hundred percent agree. And I, I mean, clearly you are a person that is healed and that that's just like inevitable for, cause for you to even say that means that you've done the work because most people don't look at something as horrific, especially as what you had to probably witness and see that day as something that could possibly have been a blessing. And of course, our first instinct is what the hell's going on? What the hell, what, what just happened? My light, the rug just got pulled from under me and it doesn't matter really the, the event, obviously yours was completely tragic. Um, when I talk to a lot of my clients, what we're, what the majority that I hear is something along the lines of someone abruptly asking for a divorce or some, or finding out that someone was cheating on them. And granted it's not the same thing, but it is the same thing in a sense that your whole world is changing in the blink of an eye. What you thought was, was happening in the course of your life. Like you were saying, life was great. And I was coming off my best year. And, and um, for me, I had just gotten married and I had just had a baby and I was just beginning my life and everything seemed like I was on that high. And then all of a sudden the rug got pulled from under me. So dealing with that kind of instant trauma. And I always say there's big traumas and there's little traumas. So for you, yours was the big trauma. It was a one-time event that was absolutely catastrophic and it hits you. What was, can I ask you, what was the first, if you can think back, what was the first reaction in terms of feeling um, after you kind of came to awareness of what was going on? So in the, in the midst of that day, it was just about how the, you know, how the heck do I get out of the situation, right? So right. I wasn't even aware that I was injured. Um, the only thing I was present to in that moment was, um, obviously I was present to my surroundings and I witnessed and saw things that no human being should ever have to experience. And I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. about that here today because mm-hmm. nobody needs to be traumatized by it. Um, um, but I remember um, distinctly having very excruciating left ear pain. Aside from mm-hmm. that, I wasn't present to all the other things that were happening in my body. I was just present to, um, oh my gosh, what just happened? Um, and then at first I thought it was a gas explosion. And then when the second bomb went off, I realized, okay, no, this is a terrorist attack and we mm-hmm. need to get out of this situation. So then my instincts just went into high gear, like, okay, it's just get out of the situation, right? right. And we, we walked for 45 minutes um, actually along the Charles River, crossed over to the bridge to go to Cambridge because I didn't have a way to access my car. My car was in Chinatown for those of, you know, for your listeners that right. know Boston. Yeah. I had no way of getting there. And so when I got to Cambridge over by the Museum of Science is when I realized something was seriously wrong. And I ended right. up being rushed to the ER at that point. Um, and, and of course, you know, for me, the life flashed before my eyes, you know, I was met in the ER with a, with a swarm of doctors and nurses. And I, you know, they're all talking over me, like, uh, you know, her heart rates through the roof and they're talking like, I'm going to have a heart attack. And I honestly didn't know if I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And 100%. Life, the shock, life, oh my God, I can't imagine. Yeah. And life literally flashed before my eyes. And I want to say, you know, um, just to, to elaborate, I didn't realize that that horrific experience was a gift until many years later, until a lot of transformational healing that took place. I also want to say one other thing. I actually don't view my trauma as big or little. I actually Mm -hmm. think every single person on the planet experiences trauma. And and it's just Mm -hmm. the event is different. 
but the experience on the other side is the same. I, I'm the sure same. you and mm-hmm. I, you and I could sit here and talk all day long. If we just put the, the, the experience, the events, the, the mm-hmm. events aside, we, we, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. Uh, when you, so you go through this experience, obviously you go through recovery, you're in basically fight or flight, shock mode, survival mode, probably for a, a year or, or a while, you know, at least this isn't a day. I know for me, it definitely was a, a full year for me where I could say, I don't, I don't even remember that year. It was just strictly just trying to figure it out every single day and just trying to survive. Really, that's the only word I can I can think of. And then once you kind of get past that phase where the real shock kind of starts to subside, unfortunately, a lot of the times that's where that's when all of the real um, for me backlash came. Where now I'm or not backlash, but just thinking about wow, what did I actually go through and where the trauma kind of comes through you. And you're at that point of now having to actually emotionally deal with what it is that you went through because you were in, in shock mode for a very, very long time, just trying to figure it out, survive and maintain yourself. Um, for you, what do you think for you? Can you describe kind of that phase of your journey where the shock's worn off? I'm, I'm physically healed and now I'm starting to deal with flashbacks or post-traumatic stress or fear or worry. What was it for you that, was, that were the biggies? So, um, so first and foremost, the flashbacks were instantaneous. Mm-hmm. So, um, when it would start to get dark out, um, my brain, and even if I just closed my eyes for a minute, my brain would automatically go back to the scene and as if I was in it again for the, you know, mm-hmm. um, live. And that played like a broken record in my mind. Um, oh, for, for several years. Now it, because of the treatment that I went through, it lessened over time, but that was intense um, in the beginning. A couple of days after um, the bombings took place, um, I started to have childhood flashbacks, uh, flashbacks of traumatic experiences from my childhood. And honestly, I thought I was going crazy and I couldn't make it stop. So it was like the P- PTSD was just like off the charts and it was just like layer after layer after layer. And I literally thought I was like, I, I must be losing my mind here. And what I didn't know then that I now know is that um, in, uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk actually speaks about this in his book, Body Keeps the Score. Unresolved trauma lives in our body. And when we have a traumatic experience and we are starting to go through that process of healing, what tends to happen is these things come to the surface we think in the, our, our minds tell us that it's a bad thing. It's actually a good thing because it's meant to come up and out and for us to, to actually release it. And, and I want to share something with your listeners is that, you know, um, in the last two years, I've learned that when an emotion comes to the surface, whether it's fear, whether it's sadness, whether it's rage, right, that if we give ourselves permission to be with it, what do I mean by that? We're not resisting it. We're not judging it. We're not saying it's bad or wrong or any of that, but we just experience it. Like we're witnessing it. What it is, it's just energy in motion and it feels very uncomfortable. But what often happens is we suppress it just as it's about to crest. And as a result, we literally suppress it. And then it just, you know, it just is a layering effect if we don't deal with it. But if we can Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to let that crest come up and over, what's on the other side of that, in my experience, is 
greater, you know, peace, joy, Mm -hmm. bliss, you know, that is what's on the other side of it. Now, actually, it takes on average 90 seconds to process that. But so it's just being witness to it for 90 seconds. And I, I know that sounds crazy, but I've actually observed it and been able to do it myself. And so if Mm -hmm. we can just be with the emotion that comes up and and allow it to go through us and then notice where it is in the body. It's really just stuck to energy. And when we can notice where it is in the body and let it transmute out of us and then just basically tell ourselves, okay, what is it that I want to feel in this moment? What do I want to feel? Do I want to feel abundance? Do I want to feel love? Do I want to feel courage? You know, mm-hmm. and then we have the ability to change our, our thoughts and change our feelings, just like we change a radio, like we used to change a radio mm-hmm. dial. We mm-hmm. have that power. But it, it takes practice to to um, to live your life that way. And so to go back to your question, you know, the first year was for me was learning how to rise above my terror. It, was, it wasn't even fear, it was terror. I was afraid of my own shadow. Year two for me was learning how to heal the terrorist within me. I had so much rage, so much rage and so much hatred towards those two young men. And it wasn't until I forgave them in the courtroom um, that my life started to really change um, for the better. And then from there, it was just, you know, um, after that, it was embracing compassion for them. And then that eventually led to, you know, having love and understanding for what they did. I think you, you touch on a couple of good points and I, I, cause I was making notes as you were talking, because I think one thing when we're dealing with post-traumatic stress, for me, it became habitual to obsessively ruminate with the fear or the anxiety or the, or, or just the story or the thought or the experience. And I think for me, the biggest lesson that I've learned is learning that I actually have control over where my mind goes and that practice. And I tell people all the time, I never was a meditation person. I I never understood it. I never saw the benefit of it. I looked at it as a a hippie, crunchy, guru-y kind of thing. And and for me, I was like, how can you possibly even quiet your mind? And it wasn't about shutting my mind up because that's impossible, but it was about noticing where it was going and take and pulling it back to where I choose or where I decide it should go and having, and being really learning how to actually be the adult to myself versus allowing myself or letting myself just constantly be the child that's kind of running around in disarray and running running amok around the house. That's all how I always looked at my mind and my thoughts. And so being able to take the fear and pull it back and just sit with it for a second. I always tell people, when you go to therapy and you sit there with a therapist, what the therapist is doing is really just sitting there with you and you're feeling something. And in that space, for some reason, you feel comfortable enough to express everything. This is why you can sit on the couch and cry about when you were six years old and how dad didn't go to your soccer game, because you feel comfortable that someone's there that is validating you, soothing you, understanding, and giving you room to actually express versus how we're raised sometimes. We're not really raised to learn that type of a skill. It's a skill. And so when you sit with a therapist, what you're trying to learn how to do when you're healing is to become that child or that, per, that part of you that went through that experience and be the therapist or just not even necessarily the therapist, but just the person that can hold that space for you. So 
because when I hear people ask me, how do I just sit in it? It feels uncomfortable or it's scary or I don't know how to do it. Or it's, it's not even something that they consciously are aware that they are suppressing. It's just something that they've always done. So learning, slowing down, especially when you're, you know, okay, I've gone through something really traumatic and these feelings are coming up no matter what they are, anger, rage, sadness, like you said, um, and just understanding for me, understanding number one, why do I feel that way? What's the story behind those feelings and really coming to terms with what do I actually feel? You know, for me, anger has always meant sadness because if I'm angry about something, that means I'm the underlining message of anger is sadness in the sense that I'm disappointed. I'm upset. Um, you, you weren't the person that I thought you were. This experience didn't turn out the way I thought it would. And so there's grief there, which is sadness. So sometimes working through the anger and just realizing, wow, what's actually there is sadness and grief that I haven't dealt with and then dealing with it. And like you said, just expressing it. I think there's an aspect of emotional health that most people don't know. Most people know mental health. And I don't mean mental health as like that big balloon. I mean, mental health of logical thinking you know, okay, this is not that it's ridiculous to feel this, but okay, now I, I'm choosing to not sit here anymore. Most people just jump over the emotional aspect of healing, which is just to feel, which is to validate, which is to soothe yourself. And self-soothing was a huge part for me. And really that's what I meant when I said the therapist is just sitting in the space for you. Someone that's there to just be with you while you actually express the emotions of what it is that you feel. And like, let's be honest, just let's be a human being for a second and just feel something. <laughs> um, and I think, like you said, it's a practice. And I think the more you do it, the more it doesn't feel like it's stuck in you. No, it, it, it's literally, you know, we grew up in a society and we still live in a society that does this, right? Mm -hmm. It's not okay to be angry. It's not okay to be sad. It's not okay to have these so-called negative emotions. I don't even call them negative emotions anymore. They're just emotions. And they're actually normal. We, we have them for a reason, right? And it, they are to be expressed, not to hurt ourselves or to hurt anyone else. And I'm speaking in terms of the anger and the rage part. But here's what one of my mentors, um, actually one of my meditation teachers told me. When I was dealing with the phase of healing my rage, I was struggling because I was taught to bottle it. Like if you can't say anything nice or you can't, you know, like it's just not okay to express anger. And what I was doing is making myself sick. I was like, this has to come out. And so um, my meditation teacher would say, just go in the car, go in the car and scream at the top of your lungs and wait until it shifts. And I would think to myself, my gosh, I'm going to be in here forever. <laughs> and you know what? It usually only took 30 to 60 seconds. And then I would either on the other side of that, I would cry. Because usually for me, the same thing, it would be an undertone of sadness. Um, and I would cry, but then I would feel better. Or I would, I would scream so much that it would turn into laughter because I was like, this is ridiculous. But I shifted the energy, right? And then I was like, oh my God, it's, a, it's emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. right? Like we're not supposed to suppress this stuff. I'm like, what comes up is supposed to come out. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't, you know, to be blunt, you don't swallow your vomit, right? It, it has to come out. The key though, is to not, you know, 
throw it on someone else or project it onto someone else and to do it in a healthy and safe way. So I remember when I was dealing with reach, I would either go in the car by myself and I'd scream until it shifted, or I'd go to the beach and I would throw rocks into the ocean. But I would physically or, you know, either scream or physically do something to get it to shift and it, and it shifted quickly. Mm -hmm. I will say I was probably in the best shape of my life when I went through my divorce. <laughs> yeah, that's because another thing, going that, to the gym. Yeah, yeah like you just it working had it to, out. It had to go somewhere and I had to let it out. And I, I think you, you made a good point where we're just not taught, we're not allowed to just be a human, right? I think for me, I was always, I always heard, what's the point? you know, like what's, what's the point it is, or it is what it is. It is what it is. If I, I mean, I can't even tell you the number of times I heard it is what it is. So there, there's a component of just jumping over, but I feel something and dealing with that for a second. And then we can go to not just, it is what it is, but maybe more of acceptance. And I think that's probably a message that people, you know, adults that were around me were trying to relay was the acceptance of something and I think that's where most people struggle is they try to go strict straight to forgiveness and acceptance, but you can't get there unless you go over that hump of actually feeling and dealing and whatever actually, that looks like for you. Yeah. I would actually say you have to go through it, not even over and yep, around yep, it. Yep, I actually yep, think yep, you have to 100%. go through it is yep. that it's like, and it's not fun. It's not fun, but, it, but that is the path is to actually walk through it. Um, and then, and then on the other side, yeah, I did not get to forgiveness straight away. I did not get to some of these other places straight away. I had to work through all of those layers and, and all of that to be able to get to that place, basically. And, but here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned now, right? Is because like the whole point of why I created the film was to be able to help shorten people's recovery or rising up from trauma. Because I look back on it now and everything that I've learned, I'm so grateful for what I've learned. But now it's like, oh my gosh, I can help shorten someone's path because you don't, because, you know, it, because when you step back and you look back at it, I was like, oh, I had done that, done this. And not from a place of judgment, not from a place of, I could have done it better, but just like, oh, wow, notice, you know, I could have shortened my own path and, and. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all, I'm here to serve humanity and help people rise up to live their best life. And so it doesn't have to be this long drawn out struggle. No, no, it's just, I think it's just learning these skills that you practice. And I want to say going through it, like you said, for me going through it, I learned in that storm the dust storm. I just I literally, I think of like an empty road and just this storm right in front of me and I'm walking through it. All of those harsh conditions that I had to go through all those nights, all that anxiety, all that depression, all that, whatever that I was experiencing it. Every time I had to experience something and deal with it for me, it built such a muscle that allowed me to achieve things that I never thought I could ever achieve in my life. So, and I think that's the blessing that you take from these experiences. It's not just learning. Okay. I know how to forget. It's it real. The lesson is yours. Like you learned how to may sound corny, but not just like survive and experience, but like really thrive. And what does that mean to thrive as a human being? What does it mean to process something? What does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to practice gratitude? What does it mean to have control over my mind and not just let it go in a multitude of directions? 
That has been the biggest blessing that I've ever learned. And I learned it through a traumatic experience happening to me. And I think if you go through something that's traumatic, like you said, no matter what it is, and you can take the lesson out and the lesson is how do I learn how to take care of myself better? How do I learn how to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy? How do I learn how to motivate myself? Because you can go through something traumatic. And like you said, you, you dealt with it, you threw the rocks, you, you raged in the car and maybe you laughed, but then you had to kind of like wipe the tears and carry on with your day. And that it was giving you the strength or the muscle or the ability to say, I can get through anything just by going one step at a time. And to, for me, that hundred percent was the lesson. And it changed my, the course of my life because I looked at life completely different. I looked at goal setting completely different because I realized I was actually what I call it is parenting myself. I was learning how to be the parent to this little girl that had gone through all of these experiences. And unfortunately for most of my life, I wasn't the parent. I wasn't the adult showing up. I was the child. And I think most people live their life living through those, those traumas that they go through and those traumas dictate their lives, really, whether they have successful lives, no matter what that is on their terms, whether they experience joy, whether they experience happiness. And this has nothing to do with money, career, relationship status, just you yourself alone. Are you happy and content? Are you your own best friend, essentially? That is one of the biggest lessons I learned is that that experience taught me how to love myself in ways I hadn't. That's the, that's the reality. And I, mm -hmm. I, similar to you, I had to nurture and care for myself as if, you know, as if I was the parent or the mom coddling a child that was wounded. Exactly. Great analogy. And, 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 and I remember in the early days, it was not easy for me to do that because I, you know, before this happened, I was pretty hard on myself. You know, I would, I was an overachiever. Um, and every time I'd reach a goal, I'd have momentary um, bits of happiness, but then it would quickly fizzle out. And what I realized was I wasn't fulfilled. Well, I wasn't fulfilled because I was disconnected from myself. And the, the irony is that most of my life have been running from myself and running from my past traumas. And then it takes me going through a bombing at a marathon to bring me to my knees, literally, to stop me in my tracks and to face all of that and integrate those traumatic experiences that molded me into the woman I am today. And so I had to deal with the shame and the guilt and all of those things that, you know, those emotions that we carry from our childhood, mm -hmm. especially, right? That all of that had to be healed. And, and I think you bring up a really great point. It's shifting the perspective. Prior to the bombings happened, I viewed trauma as there must be something wrong with me because bad things keep happening from time to time. And that was mm -hmm. my paradigm. Even though I was a good person, even though I was a law-abiding you know, citizen, I was like, why are these bad things happening? Like, there must be something wrong with me. But after going through the bombings, and it took a couple of years for me to, to shift my awareness and shift my perspective, but I started to get curious. What if this was happening for me rather than to me. And so like you described is that what if this traumatic experience was like helping me build my own resilience, helping me to become stronger, helping me to become the person that I am today. 
And, and then I started to view it as what if trauma were like the crap that you put on seeds to grow, right? How do we make things grow? We pile a bunch of crap on top of it mm-hmm. and then it cultivates and ruminates in that crap. And then eventually it comes, it sprouts up and then it blossoms. And when I started to shift my awareness and perspective of that, that's when I started to feel more empowered. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, you know, I can now go, wow, this is actually happening for me, not to me. And it didn't make it easier, right? But it, it just kind of put things at ease and I was no longer a victim to the experience. Even though I never viewed myself as a victim, I always called myself a survivor. The truth is, for the first couple of years, I was living in victimhood mentality, like what the hell did I do wrong to deserve this? And, and what do I need to do to make sure that never freaking happens again? Well, that's mm-hmm. just that's just like the fear in the worry triangle going round and round and round it, or the drama triangle. It doesn't serve. But it was when I, you know, when I shifted the perspective, I'm like, oh, okay, nobody ever wants to go through these experiences, but it happens. Life happens. Right. right. I think you said it. No one wants to. I wouldn't wish it on my worst, you know, my worst enemy. But if it's in front of you you literally have a decision to make, you know, and, and that's your free will and everyone has it. What route do you want to go down? For me, I started coaching after I went through my divorce, after I went through my experience and experiences, and I wasn't fully healed. And I remember at the time thinking, how could I possibly coach someone that's going through this when I'm not fully there yet? And then someone said to me, they said, well, you're, you're always going to be healing right? Because you're a human being, you might get to a really great place, but then guess what? Life's going to happen. It's going to hit you with something that then you have to learn how to overcome. And you, what you know now, someone does not know yet. And so that's really what you're helping people with. But for me, I think it was once I got to that that place where you're saying now, it was easy for me to forgive. It came very easy for me. And I didn't, and I remember early on thinking, I want to forgive, I want to forgive. And, and then I understood forgiveness, not, not just that it's for me and not for that person. I understood that part. I wasn't quite there, fully there yet because I still had some rage and I still had some anger. But when I understood also people, humans, why people do what they do and what happened to this person that would ever cause this person to do something so hurtful or horrific to another human being and understanding that versus taking what someone's doing so personally as if I'm the victim to something. Um, whereas I see the blessing, I see the benefit to something happening to me, something hor- like horrible, um, having gone through this experience and going through that storm. So once I started going through the storm and I started to see the good that was coming of having to actually go through this, then it started to shift even my perspective on that person that I felt the anger towards and see them more from that compassion, like you said, whereas before I was just so angry that they put me in this place, whereas it was, it was just, it was beautiful how everything started kind of coming together. And then for me, forgiveness, it was not something that, okay, it just came to me and then it was done. No, it was definitely a practice and it was definitely something I had to continuously do but it started to become easier and easier because I was parenting myself. So I was able to detach from the anger, detach from the feeling and work through it to, to help myself along that journey. Like I said, you know, one day at a time, step by step, because it's not a one-time thing. It's something that you have to really 
work through. And then all of a sudden one day you feel lighter. You feel like you're good. And you may never fully be at a place where you're not angry at the person. You might have a flashback or you might have a thought, or especially if you have to deal with a person that has betrayed you or hurt you, then it makes it even a little bit harder. But I think as long as you know the skill, you can work through it all and just keep kind of chugging along. I think you're spot on. And I think this is the, the notion. I used to think this way too. I was like, when is this ever going to be done? I used to view it like, <laughs> okay, like, like, okay, like it's a destination. I've done that already, right? Okay, that was, I realize now like that was, you know, not the correct thinking is that it's a process. We're growing. And as we grow, these are tools in the toolbox. So forgiveness is a tool, right? So just because you forgive once doesn't mean you'll never forgive that person or that situation in another level of it later. You know, we're, as we grow, we, we do it in layers, right? And, and so, you know, it's not a one and done thing. And so I say to people, forgiveness is just a tool in your toolbox, you know? And, and listen, I just recently was triggered by somebody, somebody close to me. And, and, you know, um, I had some anger I needed to work through. I had some of that stuff I needed to express. And then I had to get to a place of forgiving this person, right? So, you know, I'm not, you know, and I'm, it's coming on nine years after this experience. So to be clear, this stuff happens. And, and here's, I want to share something else, right? So we do get triggered from time to time. This is another great awareness is that I've come to understand triggers are showing me where I am either disconnected from an aspect of myself um, because, you know, I'm either going too fast or I'm not, you know, but I'm somewhat out of alignment. Mm-hmm. And, right. And, and it's like, and, but of course it, it's never perceived that way. Cause somebody always did something to me. Right. It, it, like that's how it occurs. Like mm-hmm. somebody said something, they did something and then they piss you off and then you're like, Oh my gosh. And then, and then for me anyway, my mind goes to over there. And then I have, I have to pause rein it in and go, okay, where, like, where does that live over here? You know what I mean? And, and do the work within myself. And then I can get to a place of forgiveness for that other person. And then typically that situation just dissolves and it can happen pretty quickly. It happens really quickly because I think you, the word that I heard that for me was always the most beneficial was pause. So every time I remember starting this where starting this journey where I was really practicing slowing down and practicing being very mindful to like, okay, what was triggering me? What was everything? And it was really because I was trying to start manifesting and I wanted to be at a high vibration. And it didn't mean that I was going to be happy, happy all the time, but it did mean that when I needed to stop and process something, fear, stress, worry, whatever, that that's just part of me taking care of myself. But when I got triggered for something, you know, someone's on the highway and they flip you off or whatever, or someone beeps. And in Massachusetts, (laughs) they beep a lot. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. She's like, yes, I know. So when that happened versus living so like unaware in the past that I would just be very reactive to everything that life was throwing at me. And when you start kind of slowing down, it allows you to notice the trigger take responsibility for the trigger, pause and decide what, what do I want to do? Am I going to let this person just kind of throw me off my game? I was having a perfectly lovely day, understanding that what they're doing is not about me. It's actually about them. And 
that right there, those couple of steps right there, as much as you possibly can throughout your day, if you do that, you can just let things roll off you. I mean, it is wonderful, a wonderful skill to have. Now, when you're dealing with someone who's really hurt you or someone that you have an emotional connection with, emotional relationship with, someone that you have an expectation on, then it makes it a little bit difficult because then you know that that's something that you kind of have to really work through that story. Am I sitting in ego? Am I sitting in the inner child? Like, where am I sitting where this story is being cultivated? And being that higher self, practicing being that higher self or parent or coach or therapist or whatever analogy I always tell my clients, whatever analogy works best. But for me, the parent analogy always worked for me because I have a little guy. So if he was experienced this as his mom, I have to be not in control, but I have to be the one that stands there and teaches him, okay, this is where we're going to go and, and guide him really. And so I need to learn, I needed to learn how to guide myself and guide the ego and tell the ego when it needs to just sit down and we don't need to go there right now. Having more self-control over where my mind goes. That, I mean, it's crazy to think how that skill right there can completely change your life. I mean, every aspect of your life physical body, your finances, your career, your overall happiness, your health, relationships. I mean, it is literally you taking care of you. Life gets so incredibly good when you know how to do that. And that came from going through a horrible experience. I mean, who would have ever thought that that would have been the benefit of going through a horrible experience? For me, that's what I wanted to help people was to not be bitter, to not be a victim, and to learn way more about yourself than just this one situation happening to you. So you can really, and it sounds corny, but you can have the life that you want on your terms, what that looks like. I mean, in any any situation. And I want to say this. So, so I now call, you know, um, I now call it bliss formation. Um, because when I go through my transformational process, what's on the other side of that in most cases for me is bliss. So I call it my bliss formation. And I experienced the most amount of bliss and peace and fulfillment during the pandemic. And people might say, are you crazy? Now, people around me were dealing with fear and doing their own things. Um, and it was very real for them. But I was just so grounded in who I was, and I wasn't affected by what was going on in the outside world. And I want people to understand that because this is a masterful skill, and it it speaks to exactly what you were just speaking to. We can master our own vibration. We can master our own energy. And as a result, we we can create the life of our dreams. So I created a transformational film during the midst of a pandemic when things were shut down. And most people say, you can't do that. In fact, several people said, you can't do that. Well, we did do that. Mm-hmm. So, so anything is possible. If we have the idea and we have the thought, anything is possible. But what tends to happen is, I think most people are afraid of success versus fear, uh, uh, failure, excuse me, um, because when we think of something that we really desire to do and we start stepping into that and we are in alignment with it, in my experience, the universe conspires 
And the next thing you know, the floodgates open and people are starting to show up in your life or opportunities show up in your life to, to manifest that very thing. And I know from my own experience, sometimes it happens so quickly that I get scared by my power. And then I, oh and, then I and, yes. and then my, my ego will go, Oh no, 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 no. Like, you know, and, and try to like, and, and, and frankly, I sabotage from time to time. Mm-hmm. It, it, but the, I will, I a hundred percent agree. It happens very quickly. And not for me at, with a couple of things, it's almost been overwhelming. Cause I'm like, wow, that was quick or that, you know, cause you think you have to really struggle and yes, you work hard. But I have to say, when you do the mental work, when you do the emotional work and you do that inner stuff, everything else, yes, you still have to work hard at anything that you're trying to achieve, but it's not gut-wrenching, you know, going through the mud. It's not, it's just, it's something that you're doing and you're being consistent with it, but it's the mental stuff that's the hardest work. I mean, even personal trainers will even attest to saying a lot of getting someone to get their physical body in the place that they want it to be or to lose weight is really a mental game because your body can do way more than you think it can do, but it's the mental story that will start happening that will then cause the person to stop. And so learning how to go through all of that, dealing with your past, dealing how you were programmed, dealing with shame, dealing with all of those fears, dealing with the fear of failure. Like you said, for me, it was always the fear of success. Um, was the, you know, the stuff that you have to work through and you can't work through that unless you know how to be your higher self, unless you know how to be that parent, unless you know how to be that coach that says, okay, trauma, you're there. Okay. Old programming. You're here. I have the self-awareness to see you. And now what are we going to do about that? That little tiny three steps right there that we, that I just said, for, never happened prior to going through my experience. It, I was just living very unaware, you know, living through my wounds of, I should have a corporate job. I should do this. This is the way life is supposed to go and trying to be like what I thought happiness was. And it was funny because every time prior to my divorce, every time I achieved a goal, financial success, professional success, a marriage, you know, success or whatever, I wasn't happy. I was not happy. I felt very, and the funny thing is the higher I went with my goals that I had set for myself and the more I was achieving them, the more I actually felt really miserable because, and that's the worst thing in the world to think that what I wanted for myself is going to bring me all of this joy and fulfillment and all these amazing feelings. And then you get there and it actually feels horrible because you're so not where you should be. And I'm I'm sure for you, because you coached, in one area for, you know, a good part of your life, or you were in a certain area of your career, I'm sure I I can definitely attest to it for me is that because I was in financial services as well. I had a corporate job. I worked, you know, in um, financial district in Boston and I was doing everything great, you know, all this stuff. And now I am the most fulfilled. I mean, if I really sit in it too, I can actually get tearied when I even think about it is I am so happy And I want that for other people because not to say that there isn't a person out there that would be perfectly happy and fulfilled being an accountant or whatever job that you want. Totally fine. It's what you want on your terms. But I do know that most people dread going to work. And I'm sure you can see, you know, the shift in your career and where it evolved and how fulfilling it is now to do what you do. And for me, 
the financial success that I have now sitting where I'm sitting is so much higher than I ever thought I could achieve having gone down that corporate road of what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Well, and I think that's the key point is that we are raised in a, in a culture, in a society that that's the path. You spend 30, 40 years working in, in, you know, some form of, you know, corporate establishment, right? And then you retire and then you live off of some sort of retirement savings, right? And then, and, but the truth is, you know, your wealth um, creation is limited and it's limited by a couple of things. What the, the corporation that you work for is willing to pay you um, and, and all of that. And, and obviously your performance, right? But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's capped. You actually do not have the autonomy, really, um, to be able to thrive and soar at your on your own terms, right? You you basically are trading hours for dollars. And if you're good at negotiating, you might be able to get a little bit more money for those hours that you trade. But when you are doing something that you are truly fulfilled, and listen, I want to be really clear. For some people, working in like my sister works in the corporate world. For her, it's it. She thrives in mm-hmm. that environment, 100%. right? So I want to—I want to be clear. I'm not—I'm yep. not bashing yep. anything there, but I realized for myself, I, I, you know, I reached a point where it—it it just wasn't working anymore, and it wasn't until I went on my own that um, all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, I just had this—this. This, it felt expansive, and it was very fulfilling. And now the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. I don't have my bosses or the CEO of a company determining where I'm going to go in terms of my wealth creation. It is limitless. And I want to share something. I was 42 years old when the bombings happened and I actually was pretty well off financially. And I had, I had, um, I was, I was thinking I had probably 10 more years left before then I could just do whatever I wanted after that. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. because I chose to go down the path of learning how to heal naturally the fact of the matter is 99% of um, what I did, I had to pay out of pocket for. It's not something mm-hmm. that was covered by traditional health insurance. Um, and so I literally took every cent I have, including my retirement savings, over the course of a couple of years to immerse myself in learning how to heal naturally. And I paid a fortune for it and I would do it again. Um, and, and some of, you know, some of my dear friends said to me, well, Jen, you're going to have to go back to the corporate world now and, and to be able to build back up so that you can retire by the time you're 70. And I said, I'm not doing that. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'll get back into my business when I'm ready to do that. And, and I said, I want to be control of my destiny. I want to be in control of, of how I live my life. I don't want to you know, I don't want to go back to a, to a situation where, you know, I'm stressed out working 70, 80 hours a week to, to, you know, for someone else, it's for not where else. I want yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. And I, that's when I, the people I coach typically are coming out of, like I said, divorces and relationships and things like that. And when you're going through that process, there's a lot of rebuilding any, any process that you go through, that's um, a trauma or a tough situation. There's a rebuilding, you know, and I, and as you learn these skills and you dive deep into self-development and you're feeling better and life starting to get good, that's really at that pivotal point where you say, what do I want for my life? Because you know, you're capable of it now, you know, you're capable of creating and achieving and having, and you live in in abundance. And 
And, and that's really where life starts getting really good. Cause then you can start really designing this life for yourself. Everything I have right now was a vision. Um, even the, you know, the place I'm living in right now, um, literally a vision, the exact floor plan, the exact, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It is absolutely insane. And I think the more you keep, you know, striving for yourself, you are tested and there's always going to be an area that will test you more than others, whether it's relationship, whether it's money, whether it's career, for some people, relationships aren't a test. They're married, their high school sweetheart and, you know, love of their life. And that's it. They never went through anything relationship wise, you know, romance wise, but they never will apply for the job that they really want to have, you know? So there's always these areas of life that will test you. Um, I will say, I, really enjoy this conversation. I think everything you've gone through is such, it's an inspiration for people to hear your story. It's an inspiration for people to say, you know what, I've gone through something similar to that, or I was there that day or whatever that looks like for them. Um, and I think this is the work that I know I was meant to do and you are definitely a healer yourself <laughs> for sure. So I thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom and insight with my viewers. Um, and this is what we're trying to do is just educate people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And we actually have a special bonus for you and your, and your uh, listeners. So we wanted to surprise you because I just love to surprise people. So um, we're going to give you a special, um, a special code to access uh, the film. There's got to be more to life. And for those that act now, we'll receive a free um, guided uh, sync up meditation on receiving. So if you want to receive more love in your life, you want to receive more abundance in your life, you want to receive anything that you want to receive into your life. Um, so we're going to gift that to you and your listeners. If you act I love in that. Thank you so, so much. So guys, definitely take advantage. Links will be down below. Um, so thank you again so much. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.